This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I am the editor-at-large at Mississippi Today. Well, today we're going to celebrate some of Mississippi's best storytelling with publisher and author Johnny Lowe, author Wendy Harms, and author John Floyd. They are here to talk to us about their short story anthology entitled, What Would Elvis Think? And, and you, we want you to be part of the conversation, part of the show, so just go ahead and give us a call. It's 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can always drop us an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. Uh, we welcome we'll welcome them in just a minute, but in time, it's time for our top stories. A lot of stuff going on today, Michelle. Obviously, a lot of really uh, important people passing, and uh, yeah, it's just a really tough morning. On top of that, the stock market's having a really tough time because of the coronavirus, right. so it's dropped like. 900 points. And, so. you know, I knew that was going to happen before that happened. I, I mean, mean, it was coming. Was affect, yeah. um, it was going to affect America. Well, there was no way. Right. When it it's, I mean, the spread in China was bad because obviously there's been a lot of people that have been affected. But then when it started spreading in South Korea and in Italy, it just showed that they really can't get control of the virus right now. And um, I think two things. Number one, obviously, supply chain from China, but also the fact that there could be quarantine and a slowdown in the economy. Exactly. So uh, the main thing is here on the on the <laughs> Now You're Talking show, our advice to you is wash your hands frequently with soap and water for 20 seconds and do not touch your face. And that'll get you a long way from keeping you from being infected of from the flu, a lot of things. <laughs> the flu, the cold, anything else that's going on right now. Right, but, yeah, that's right. big. Um, just I don't know. Did you see the movie? The movie with um, Catherine Johnson in it, the one about the numbers from NASA. No, no, incredibly. You mean good. Um, um, I'm having a moment. Right. Um, yeah, the ladies. With yeah, the, um, the she was in Hidden Figures. Yes, Hidden. Yeah, figures. it was. It was a, the, I'm like she, the ladies. She, well, it was a true story about yes. how they had such a huge impact on the space program in the '60s, and of course didn't get the due because they were African American women. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was 101, Catherine Johnson. She passed away this morning. I mean, talk about a hero. And lived a great life, 101. You know, a lot of people want to live to 100. She lived past that, and she had a great life. Well, and on top of that, she got to get the recognition exactly. she so def- def- definitely deserved. And this was uh, the quote from Jim Bridlestein, who actually I met a couple weeks ago down at Stennis Space Center. But he said that she was an American hero, and her pioneering legacy will never be forgotten. Wow. That's pretty cool. And Another legacy uh, lost uh, her battle with Alzheimer's this weekend, Saturday. Um, B. Smith, she died on this weekend. She was 70 years old. Gosh, and she looked like she was about 35. Yes. Just absolutely gorgeous. She was a fashion model. Yes. I mean, an icon, a lifestyle icon, a restaurateur, a chef, magazine publisher. Her and her husband, um, Dan Gatsby, uh, they were at the forefront of um, research, of course, for people of color. And, um, you know, when she really talked about uh, when she came out and said told what she had she talked about how she was just going to put everything in it put all she she had in it and it is what it is she was going to live her life from that moment on to the fullest and she did that she had early onset and it you know hit her and it hit her hard and anybody who's been through that journey i know we have in my family it is incredibly tough and she faced it with incredible dignity and class and grace, just like she did everything else in her life. And I love the Mind Center here in Mississippi at UMMC. They're working diligently to come up with a cure. We've got to. We've yes. got to. It is such a burden, not only on the patients, but on the families, too. Financially yes. and emotionally, it's a very, very
very difficult path to take. It is. And today, um, just mentioned sure. CNN.com uh, live. Um, Kobe oh, Bryant yeah. and Gigi's, About his legacy. Um, yeah. Memorial will be live today. I got to get that time, but um, it's going to be live. You can see it streaming live on CNN.com. Could be a huge today. crowd for yes, that. Yes. Definitely so. a huge impact. Both of them have made not only in their lives, but since they passed too. Mm-hmm. A lot of people's like, wow, okay. Alex North, I don't know. Uh, for those of you on the coast, you, you're in mourning right now about the loss of Alex North. For the rest of the state, you probably uh, have seen some of his photographs pop up on your Facebook feed. He is absolutely was a gifted photographer. And what's so ironic, two things about Alex's photography was, number one, he didn't really start doing this professionally until th- 2011. So he picked it up as a hobby and then suddenly realized he was just incredibly gifted and wonderful at it. But the other thing is the guy was colorblind. He was a colorblind photographer and caught some of the most vivid, beautiful photographs of the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And he was very, very good friends with uh, Gulfport Mayor Billy Hughes. And Billy, Billy said, you know, that he was a master of everything that he took on in his life, whether it was cooking or whether it was uh, taking pictures or anything else. And they were friends since high school. Well, what happened was Alex went on a dream trip to the Holy Land, as you can imagine what a huge life bucket uh, list type moment that is. And he picked up a virus and he felt like he had a cold and he came home and he started hurting. And then his heart started hurting and the virus had attacked his heart and it took his life. And so, folks, I'm telling you, go to his Facebook page, Alex North. He had over 60,000 Facebook followers. He was known as an ambassador of the Mississippi Gulf Coast. His work, absolutely stunning. I would, Tim Isbell, who's, who's I, I interviewed for conversations, um, both of them are two of the best photographers I've ever met. And Alex's work just, I was, it would pop up on my page and I'm just like, Okay, I'm, I'll never be able to take a picture that good. And, you know, we've, we've mentioned some names today that have all passed. And this has been a really brutal time. I mean, I lost a very good friend over the weekend who was about two years older than me to pneumonia. With five days. I mean, five days ago, she was having lunch in, with friends in Dallas. And then over the weekend, she passed away from pneumonia. It happened that fast. And, you know, the only thing I can say about that is, is that if you want to honor these people, that have left us too soon, who are so incredibly talented, get up out of your chair, off your couch after you're done listening to this show, because first I want you to listen to the show. After that, take whatever talent that you have not been using and go out there and chase it with reckless abandon. And that's the best way to honor somebody who's taken too soon. It is. And this weekend, um, I actually mentioned this to the masses as well. A lot of since, well, this since the whole year started, just a lot of things have been happening in a row. And you know what I said? This is telling me, and we talked about this on the show before, let people know how much you care and how much you love them while they are here. Don't wait to give them their roses while, you know, when they leave. While they're here, the people in your circle, the people that you love, the people that you care about, make sure they know how much you care and love them every day. Be in the moment. Stay in the moment. That's another big thing that I get from this. Like you said, you have lunch with someone one day and the next day that they're gone and you don't expect that. So every moment you have spending with people you love, make sure you let them know. Exactly. Now, I will say this, that I was reading uh, Wendy's story, and she had a great quote in there, and I I don't think I'm going to, I don't know, I may may go ahead and, yeah, I'll go ahead and spit it right now. This is the quote that she had and that just absolutely spoke to me, said, friends, we have a reason to live, and that reason is to love. 
And if you're afraid right now, if all the news and everything's making you afraid, the only antidote to that is truly being able to love who you're with right now. And I think a great advice. I agree 100%. Well, on that happy note, we're going to take a quick break coming up. Um, it's time for us to take first break. Like I said, when we return, we're going to welcome our guest publisher, Johnny Lowe, and authors Wendy Harm and John Floyd. And what would Elvis think? It's a new short story anthology, so stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. Well, Mississippi's best storytellers most often are the ones born and raised here and the ones whose roots run deep in the state's legendary ground. To our guests, well, they've come together to do just that. They're here to tell Mississippi stories in the new book, What Would Elvis Think? A Short Story Anthology. Let's welcome to the show Johnny Lowe, Wendy Harms, and John Floyd. Welcome, y'all. It's good to have y'all. Good Thank morning. You. I'm not real nervous about the show because y'all are all very, I mean, we've been just sitting there chatting it up. Y'all are all really good storytellers. And um, John, John, you and Wendy, your stories are incredible. Johnny, you've lived an incredible life, too. So I don't think we're going to be with any shortage of material to talk about today. All right. Yeah, very good. Well, I think probably a good place to start would be since Wendy's, um, we're going to go around the room here. Wendy's sitting right here. After studying science at Mississippi State University, you changed gears and spent several years developing a passion for writing, and I would say you have. Oh, Wendy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> and how did you, seriously, you studied science and you became a writer. How did that transition happen? Well, I guess it wasn't really a transition. It was more of a, just the way it went, because I was always making up stories since I was a little girl. Yeah. I don't mean that in a mad way. I'm about to say everybody's like going, yeah. <laughs> well, that's probably true, too. <laughs> but I did, I always made up stories. I always have a story going on in my head at all times. And um, I studied science because I, I guess I grew up being a nerd, and I really like science, and I really love um, finding out about the world, and it's, it's really interesting. But um, I, I, I took a detour, you know, in, in college because that's what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to be a scientist, so I studied science. And um, I didn't really – I did take one creative writing class in, at, at, really? Mississippi, at Mississippi State, and um, it was really interesting. It was just kind of a – my friend took it, and he said, oh, come on, take it with me. And I was like, okay, sure, that'd be great. And it ended up being um, the beginning of where I figured out how to take a, something in my head and put it on paper – and uh, I left it where where it was, right there, for yeah. many, many years while I um, got married and had children and stayed with them. And um, 
that voice inside my head, the ones you're not really supposed to talk to. I talk to them all the time, and so they they tell me stories. And uh, then I, I hit a, you know how you hit a bad part of life. And right. and and in that time, I said, well, you know, I've got to express how I feel. I've got to get this out. I can't talk to anyone about this. So I'm just going to write a poem. And then I wrote another poem. And then I wrote another one, and then another one. And then I said, well, this is pretty cool. I, I enjoy it. I really like it. And so that came back to the forefront um, probably about 10 years ago. And and from there, uh, I learned how to write short stories at John Ford's class. Um, at the uh, insistence of my in-laws, they gave me that uh, class for Christmas. Wow. And uh, yeah. then I, I learned that there was such a thing as a short story. I really didn't know that that was a different thing than just writing a regular story or writing a poem. And uh, and then from there, I, I took it I took it uh, seriously. John, was she a good student? Just She was a good student. Okay, very good. I just <laughs> want to get that out there. I want to make sure, you know, because if this was any dirt going to come up later on, I wanted to make sure we got it out of here in the beginning. If I'm anything, I'm always a good student. <laughs> but about to, about to say, but, you know, you and John both have had a left-brain background and a right-brain background, and that's incredibly rare, being able to handle, you know, being able to write beautiful stories and being able to, to weave words the way you've done it. And, and your story in the book, by the way, is incredible. It's called Home Free. Uh, which I will get you to talk about that in a little bit, but um, to be able to do that and to still be able to balance a checkbook—that seems a lot of people. Oh no, can't... let's not get into math. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. But of course, th- as fate would have it, th- I became a math teacher just last year, so it's really kind of funny. You became a math teacher too. Yes. I didn't know that. No, I did not. Yeah, know that. it's really funny. Everybody so, is your class like sitting there right now, wondering where you are? They're probably—they're taking a <laughs> test and they're probably saying things about me that they probably shouldn't say. <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, they're probably nice things, I'm sure. No. A little bit. So how did you end up in the book? Uh, I'm I'm sure it was through John Floyd. Um, I didn't know Johnny at all, and um, I guess he got my name from him, and I, I wrote a story and uh, crossed my fingers and emailed it to Johnny, and he... He decided it was okay. Uh, your story was in there because it was a good story. Uh, well, right. You and, and, always say that. No, it, I will say that I will. I vouch for him on this Thank one. You. It's a fantastic story. Now, how many stories have you written? Is this was this one of your early ones, or is this just something uh, that you've written recently? Uh, I don't. I wrote it for the for the book. Um, I don't know how many I've written. I need to maybe go back and count. Do you publish them anywhere? Do you put them online? This is or do the first just... time I've ever been published. No kidding. Yes. Wow, okay. Well, that's um, stepping up to the plate for the first time and hitting it out of the park. So very good. Oh, wow. Thanks. So, a baseball <laughs> But you're also, you, you you married your college classmate, Jason. Yeah, he was um, he was a little behind me in college. Uh, I was a senior. and uh, You robbed the cradle. And Okay. I was the, <laughs> uh, at the Wesley Foundation at Mississippi State, was, uh, my position was freshman outreach chairman, and ah, so I did. You outreached. and I did. Okay. <laughs> and eventually he came along. <laughs> that's all right. So he's a younger man. That's cool. It works good. And y'all got two great kids, too. Oh, we have absolutely wonderful, beautiful children. That's yes. good. Let me ask you this real quick on the, on the writing process. Um, when you sit down and write, because like, for me, when I write a short story, I generally have a picture in my head and I try to describe it. And then suddenly I go on a journey and then end up with the story. Yes. Is that the process you use or do you, are you the J.K. Rowling version of I'm going to sit there and outline every step of the way and this is where it's going to end no, up? No, I tried it that way once and it didn't work. Really? I just kind of write and whatever comes out comes out. And then, of course, that makes for a long uh, editing process, but that's okay. That's okay, too. Yeah. I mean, 
that's always the hard part is the editing process. Yes, very, it is. very like, difficult. Because I'm in love with all my words. And, on that, oh, you got to so. kill your darlings. Exactly. <laughs> got to drown them a little yes. bit. Johnny, um, good to see you. Uh, you you're one of the most talented people I know. Um, you, know you don't know that many people, then, do you? <laughs> no, well, I know the three that are in this room. Oh. So, but no, you, no, you do ventriloquism. You're also the the second um, comic book letterer that I've ever met, which is pretty cool because I <laughs> know you. how hard it is to letter because I'm not very good at it. So I admire you there. Thank you. You've done advertise. You've worked for advertising agencies in both California and here. Yes. So you've had quite a career. It's uh, been fun. I, uh, I'm from here. I was out there uh, a good long time. I moved back in two, 2007 when my father went to the hospital and yeah. passed away a couple of years later. But, uh, yeah, I've lettered uh, comics for a number of companies. And, of course, the beauty now with the Internet, you can live anywhere. That's a good point. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to be in the New York area like it used to be years ago. Right. And a lot of people I had, quote, worked with I've never actually met. And uh, although I did the last uh, couple of Comic Cons I went to in San Diego, it was nice to meet people in person. Yeah. So it's you know, they get to yell at you in person. Exactly. It's yeah. much more fun. Yeah. But uh, but that was fun, and uh, I self published some comics with folks out there, and I guess my interest in editing may have started from that because I like the idea of kind of gathering people together to put something together. I've, I've dabbled in writing, but not like these guys. I start a lot of things. I don't always finish them. But, uh, well, that's you, the beauty of a short story, though, yeah, technically, because yeah. it's not like you're writing a novel. Well, you mentioned about, uh, or Wendy did, about the, the phrase, you know, you have to kill your darlings. Yeah. Well, as an editor, I have to sometimes kill their darlings, and uh, but not... Do you cackle when you do it? That's the question. No, no, okay, prob- just probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> not, 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 not on, not on the phone. But, okay, uh, but no, I, I, my goal is to not make their story my into my voice. Right. Just to make the best story that uh, we can put together. Well, that's what's so beautiful about the book, and we'll talk about the book in more depth here in a little bit because we're still talking about y'all. But the the book does have so many different voices, and I think it really does a great job covering Mississippi all the way across the board, and that's what makes it interesting. Well, I wanted a variety because of, that's the way uh, we are as a state. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, when I was out in California, uh, one quick thing: one of the writers at this one big agency, he was a big Elvis fan, but he said. Of course, he, a lot of folks out there, well, you, yeah, well, who famous came out of Mississippi? <laughs> who hasn't? Yeah, and I said, well, you're a writer. I mean, Faulkner. And he goes, who? So, Ouch. <laughs> he never suffered through Faulkner in high yeah. school? I mean, well, come I, on. I still suffered through some of his stuff. It's hard reading sometimes. But uh, he, he had no idea. And uh, he, he may have heard of John Grisham, but that's about it. He yeah. heard of him. But they... <laughs> A lot of not everybody, but a lot of folks out there think we're still looking for shoes. You know, right? I don't know. I know. I know. I understand. They didn't understand what Kudzu was either. I, I, they <laughs> yeah. they just and we you know when we lived out there, I lived in San Diego. They'd say, "Hey, come to our party and speak Southern," and I'm like, <laughs> I, I, "I don't really have that much of an accent." And they're like, "Dude, you sound just like Bill Clinton." I'm yeah. like, "No, not really." And they're like, "We have shrimp," and I'd be like, "I'm sorry, Hillary, I lied." You know? <laughs> <laughs> they give me shrimp. So yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. The Ink Slingers. Tell me a little bit about that, because that's a really interesting concept, having that group. It's a writer's group in Clinton, Mm -hmm. and the head of the group is Juanita Walker. She co-founded the group in, I think it was 2006, 2007. And and she has written several books herself. Yeah. And uh, I joined the group soon after I moved back to Mississippi. And uh, we meet, like a lot of groups, we meet once a month and uh, just get together and talk about writing. Some folks have 
publish their own stuff. Some have traditionally published. Some just write for their for themselves or their families. And some, like Wendy mentioned, she has written poetry. Some people just do that for, just for the fun of it. Yeah. But uh, we had done two previous books that were nonfiction and just so locally. But with the new book, we wanted to expand that a little bit. But uh, everybody, I mean, it's a cliche, but everybody has a story in them if they sit down and think about it. That's right. What is it about Mississippi? And I mean, I'll get all three of y'all to chime in on this. And I asked this question to Mac McAnally when I was interviewing him. It's like a chicken or egg question. Do we have just great storytellers or do we have great stories that create great storytellers? I mean, it's like or a little bit of both. I think it's a little, a little bit of both. both. Yeah. yeah. It's because we used to sit on the front porch and we would go down to the, the square and watch the politician speak. And then we go back to the, the, the porch and talk bad about them. Well, when I and was that's little, how we learned how to do it. When I was little, I used to get in trouble for telling stories. So well, it worked. Out. I used to get in trouble for drawing on the walls. Go figure. You know, you, you <laughs> can turn these things to a career. John, um, you've you're quite prolific. You've been published in more more than 250 different publications, mm-hmm. uh, including Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine, Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine, The Strand Magazine, uh, Saturday Evening Post. So you've had a pretty good career, but you didn't start out as a writer. You were in the Air Force, and then you worked for IBM. Right. I worked for IBM for 30 years. Okay. And, and I graduated in electrical engineering. You were talking to Wendy yeah, about Yeah, left brain, right brain. Oh, where does that happen? Yeah. yeah. How'd uh, that happen? I don't you know how that happened. I, I told somebody once that I think I traveled a lot with IBM. I went all over the place, and, um, and I spent a lot of time by myself yeah. in cars and in airplanes and hotels and conferences by myself. And I just started dreaming up these stories. And it was, I was in my 40s. But I just found it was great fun to do that. Yeah. And uh, the only reason the public the publishing came about is my wife finally said, you got to start sending some of this stuff in. I mean, it was filling up desk drawers and dresser drawers. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. And um, and I did. And I was just real fortunate and sold a few stories. And uh, and I'm still doing that. Your your latest book was uh, your seventh book was right. The Barons. That was 2018. So you've had a you've and you've been. A lot of great awards, too. You were a three-time Derringer Award winner, a three-time Pushcart Prize nominee, and a re- recent recipient of the Edward D. Is it Hoke? Or yeah. Yeah, Hoke, yeah, Hoke Memorial Golden Derringer Award. That's um, I like that Golden Derringer. Do you actually get a trophy of, like a little gun on it? I got a little trophy, yeah. That's cool. A little Derringer. Really? Yeah. Very neat. Does it work? <laughs> I, I haven't tried it. I, okay. I need to. I'm glad you didn't bring it today because so, I, I might make you mad. So, But that's... Oh. That's the thing, though. Like I said, this this happened when you were older, and you were like suddenly this this whole world opened up to you. Now, yeah, it did, and I enjoyed my job with IBM. I had yeah. a lot of fun, but uh, but man, this is great. Spinning these tales is a lot of fun. When when you write, is it? I get up in the morning and I carve out a couple hours when it's quiet, or does it just happen whenever it happens? No, it just happens when it happens. And I think it probably is a good idea yeah. to have a kind of a, a quote on the kind of a, a time of the day and a, t- a place and those kinds of things to write because most people do. Uh, but I don't. But I think the problem is with me is I think I'm thinking when I'm not writing, I'm probably thinking about it. It just yeah. happens most, mm-hmm. you know, most mm-hmm. of the time, don't you? All the time. Most of the time. And um, but several friends say that a really good thing. And Grisham said, you know, he at a certain time of the day, right, was best. Him. And also he wrote. I think he started writing while he was working full time too. And yeah, and that dictated when he wrote. Right. And I, you know, Wendy, you've got kids, so it's like it's, sometimes it's nice to have quiet. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's actually, very nice. It is. I'm sorry. Are you an early in the morning kind of person when you write? Um, I write all the time. Um, okay. The most most of the time. I'm gonna tell I, your math class. Uh, yeah. Right. Tell them that. Well, yeah. and that's that's been a big deal. Yeah. I didn't work full time for many many years. I was you know stayed at home with my children and 
I did have a couple part-time jobs. Um, so when I started uh, writing, you know, uh, fully full-time, I wasn't working at all. So I did literally yeah. write all day when, when no one mm. else was in the house. And since I have been uh, taking classes to become a certified teacher and yeah. become a teacher, I've had to put it on, kind of on hold. Yeah. Uh, but I usually carry a notebook around with me, and uh, when when the inspiration and, hits, well, and it's not always when the inspiration hits because most of the time it's just hard work. You just have to sit there and do it. That's right. And I, it's, yeah, it's not a lot of inspiration. It's more. People always talk about why well, I have writer's block. I mean, mm-hmm. I have writer's block every day. Yeah, it's just, all the time. But, but if you do the work, it, you can yeah. get past it. Yeah, go past it. Right. John, she was mentioning taking classes, and of course, she's taken you a class with you, right. and you, you're teaching. Right. How long did it take from you being, you know, going from writing to turn around teaching? Because teaching is incredibly hard. Well, it know? is hard. Yeah. It is hard. But uh, but it's one of the most rewarding thing rewarding things I think I've ever done. I learned a lot from the students. I, I, I've been I've been writing maybe for I don't know for a, a few years when I started doing this, maybe five, six, eight years. Yeah. And, and I published a bunch of stories. And someone just suggested. I think Jim Frazier was one. Oh yeah. You know, said uh, said you should try those Millsaps classes and. Um, and I talked with them about that, so I started, and we did one class, and um, and I thought that probably about would probably be all, and uh, it turned out to be a lot of fun. We had a lot of uh, a lot of attendees, and then we developed a second class to go to go with that. So I taught really a, a kind of a intro and an advanced class for gosh, seventeen years at at Millsaps. And it was a lot of fun. About six hundred students, I think. Oh went wow! Through the, yeah, wow. went through those. See, I should have taken that class. It was. It really <laughs> what was. was I it really was a lot of. A lot <laughs> of fun. No, I mean seriously, it would have helped me because it was like because I had a teacher in tenth grade told me, "Well, you can't write," and I believed her. So it didn't you know? Uh, well, and you really can't teach someone to write, you know. But you right. can teach you know, the best way to to do, do about it. The best way to do it. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll continue speaking with our guests, Johnny Lowe, Wendy Harm, and John Floyd, the publisher and authors of the. What Would Elvis Think? A short story anthology. And if you have any questions or comments for our guests, well, you can give us a call. 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
Good morning. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, and today our guests are three very interesting people. If you've been listening so far, you know that. Publisher and author Johnny Lowe, author Wendy Harms, and author John Floyd of the short story anthology, What Would Elvis Think? Tell you what, um, John, Elvis would be pretty impressed because you've just gotten a new book put into an, a, a mystery story collection. I mean, new, sto- new, new story. story. Thank right, you. Sorry. Right. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. I found out Thursday that uh, Otto Penzler up in New York uh, has a guest editor each year, and they put put out a uh, Best American Mystery Stories every fall, and it contains what they thought were the 20 best mysteries of the year. And I was in the 2015-2018 editions of those. I was fortunate to get in there. And then I was told the other day that uh, one of my stories uh, from 2019 was voted by uh, was chosen by Otto and, and guest editor C.J. Box uh, for the Best American Mystery Stories 2020 coming out in October. So I'm just really pleased, well, congratulations. pleased and surprised to find out about that. Thank, yeah, thank that, you. That's like they like thank me. You. They like me. They, they like me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's that moment. But it, it is a very rewarding experience, and that's that's quite an honor. Thank, so congratulations. I appreciate that. We have Veronica from Memphis who actually has a question for y'all. Hello, Veronica. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. My question is about the inspiration versus the hard work. In other words, I understand hard work. Say you get an idea and you have to work out a plot. But how about the inspiration? Can you sit down and make yourself have an idea? Or how would you all say that works for you? And I'll get off the phone. Thank you, Veronica. Well, I, I guess a lot of people would say I'm full of something. Um, I'm full of ideas is probably my best description <laughs> yeah. of that. Um and I just like I think has what's been uh, floating around the room about living in Mississippi is if you don't have a story or an idea, just go down the road a little piece and talk to somebody and you'll find a story. And so um, I guess just living here, you you encounter so much uh, good, bad, ugly and beautiful. Um, and the setting is always beautiful. And so coming up with an idea is uh, maybe that's just the way my crazy mind works but it's always something going on john yeah i think well ideas are every place if you watch for them if if your family your uh your friends just uh the the headlines in the newspaper ideas come from every place i think the trick really uh, there's not a trick to it but the the thing you need to do probably is take some kind of a some kind of a situation and say what if such and such happened yeah make one and one equal three yeah, and and, that's, and it's fun to do that too. What if, and then say if that happened, what if such and such else did? And that's and that's the way. I think that's those are the building blocks for for a story, just about any story. Definitely, Johnny. You got any thoughts on that? On inspiration because you you've been a creative guy your whole life. <laughs> well, I, I'm uh, in awe of these folks because they can finish their stories. I'm, I'll have ideas, but then I'll get like halfway through or whatever. Oh, uh, I better open the dictionary and find some words. Yeah. But I've, I I do like to. Uh, take other people's stuff and kind of work on it and put it together. Yeah. When, when we did the comics anthologies out in California, I just like that aspect of, uh, as I mentioned in my forward there, you know, hey, kids, let's put on a show. Yeah. And uh, just to get people together and do something. Wendy, I think you touched on something really important about Mississippi is even the, the darkest stuff, the, the the bad stuff, it's like the grit and the oyster. Yes. Because that's how we end up with the beautiful pearls that um, we end up with. I think you have to have that irritant sometimes. And I think that's why we have so many great storytellers is because we have so much grit that ends up creating so many pearls. Yes, there are a lot of strong people here. A yes. lot. Very mm-hmm. strong from lots of a – lot, a lot of, and actually everyone has a story. If you just really sit down and think about it a lot. 
you, you have a story somewhere in there. Well, the protagonist in your story is a very strong person, oh, and yes. we'll touch on her in just a second. Um, Johnny, let's just talk about the book now. There's a total of 23 stories in the book. Right. Yeah. And so how did the title of the book come about? Well, I had been kicking around different ideas, and the, the subtitle, which is Mississippi Stories, that, w- that was the first thing I thought about, but I thought, well, that's not ex- like the most exciting title, right. per se. But uh, uh, the image that's on the cover, the painting, is a painting by uh, Mississippi painter Gary Walters, and uh, that he does a lot of uh, landscapes, mm-hmm. uh, mostly around uh, based in the Delta. And I had seen this particular one, particular one, which shows Highway 61. And I was just driving, and I was thinking one day, and I, well, everybody in Mississippi knows Highway 61, and everybody everywhere else knows Elvis. So that was how the title came about. It's perfect. I mean, the cover's gorgeous, by the way. Oh, he yeah. he does beautiful work. Really, definitely does. Um, what was your experience putting the book together? I mean, was it tough? Because obviously, you had a bunch of stories you had to, to weed through. Well, this was the uh, the uh, the first one I was it, where it was my baby, so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, I had worked like we're doing comics, putting those together. But uh, in those in that case, it was only three stories, yeah. And I had written those stories, but I had to gather, <coughs> excuse me, the artist uh, to do them. But uh, in this case, I uh, we got some folks from the Ink Slingers, mm-hmm. and then John. I had taken John's classes as well, so he gave me was several. Was he a good student, John? <laughs> I didn't break hardly anything. Okay. I only stormed out once. That's a good story. It's all right. <laughs> but I stormed back in. So. Okay. I now know what John's next uh, short story is. Yeah. But uh, uh, I liked, as I said, I, I like working, you know, with the folks and say, "What about this? What about that?" And uh, but unlike the first two books, which were essentially just whatever people submitted, we. Uh, put in there uh, I wanted to get this uh, book into bookstores and online and so I wanted to make it the best I could make it and uh, so we vetted stories and edited stories and uh, every well obviously everyone that's in there I like but uh, some of the stories in there and it's like of course John he's sold tons of stories but when you said that was your first one yeah I I mean, some of those, I couldn't believe that they were, some folks, it was their first story. Others, it was not. But I, I couldn't believe some of them had not been submitted elsewhere. Right. And I was glad that I got the opportunity to do that. And uh, most everyone is from Mississippi. I think there's a couple, uh, one uh, one from Tennessee mm-hmm. and uh, from, uh, oh, and she's going to kill me, and I forgot where, uh, Pennsylvania maybe. But uh, That's right near Alabama, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we're in a landmass somewhere near yeah, Alabama. Yeah, somewhere about that. Exactly. Yeah. In- but, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, but, I mean, it was a wonderful experience. Of course, it was, you know, hair-raising, too. But uh, John had uh, edited uh, some some anthologies, and I got a lot of insight from him, so I was constantly picking his brain. Yeah. But over the period of a year and a half or so that it took putting it together, I mean, I learned a lot as well. And, uh, you know, I want to do I want to do other books, too. Yeah. Definitely. You kind of, once you get out and start selling the book too, and we'll talk about that process here in a few minutes, but uh, you kind of gets in your blood because I actually enjoy going out and meeting the people mm-hmm. doing the book signings. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. of fun. Wendy, uh, without telling us too much, tell us 
everything about your story because you like I said there were some really profound moments in it. Oh well, thank you for mm-hmm. thank you for reading it. Well, I do that occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I learned how to read last year. It makes a big I know, difference. It's really great. I love it. Um, you too. <laughs> yeah, hooked on phonics. <laughs> phonics is great. Yeah. I um, <clears throat> well, I think when I uh, the maybe the reason I write I don't know is to express emotions that. Um, I don't really know how to express uh, about me personally. Yeah. In other words, you don't. Nobody's going to read the truth, and nobody's going to believe the truth. So you have to make up something to go along with it. That's right. And just say, and sometimes to save face, I guess. But um, <clears throat> the story was just about how um, women banded together and and hung on to each other despite the feelings they had about each other and the truth yeah. they learned, the secrets that were there. And they uh, survived and thrived and, and went on to do other great things. And, and I think that's probably the story of a lot of women. This may, this may give away something I don't know, but it won't because <laughs> I won't let it. But this is something that's tattoo-worthy. She was courage and rage, tenderness and survival, hers, sisters, and mine. Yes. I love that. That was absolutely beautiful. Thank and, you. And the thing, the way I like the way you structured it was that – you're taking a journey, literally, literally, but also figuratively, too, away mm-hmm. from home or from an old life to a new life. Mm-hmm. And also you're changing landscapes, but not only the city versus the country, but also the people that they're dealing with. And the whole time, this mother is so incredibly strong. Yes. It was beautiful. Thank you. Um, well, that was uh, what I'd hoped to do, because really, if you have you have that in your life, right. um, you've got to make something uh, beautiful. Or if not beautiful, maybe funny, but yeah. you definitely have to make something beautiful, and it is beautiful. All right. that pain and and everything we go through turns into beauty. It really does, John. Um, your story had a lot of funny in it. Um, I'll never think about turtle eggs quite the same way again after that. <laughs> I, I do like um, Rudy uh, Tolos, who's eleven, uh, is, is the young man in the story. Um, if, and I would imagine in a couple of years he'll probably be sitting in the studio telling us stories, too, because he's quite the storyteller. The story's called The Garden Club. Uh, and this is actually one that you had written darn near, um, I guess, 25 years ago. I think it was back in the 90s. Yeah, mid-90s. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. I, the funny thing, I was this story was written start to finish in the Mark Hopkins Hotel in San Francisco. I was there, and I got a fever. I got, I got sick that night. And during the night, I woke up. This is the honest truth. And there was a bedside pad. There was a little little tablet yeah. on the nightstand, and I wrote this thing start to finish uh, in a couple of hours uh, that night. Uh, that night on that trip, and then when I got home, you know, put it into and sent it off and sold it. But uh, it was a long time ago. This story, unlike Wendy's, where you actually, I think, learn something about life. This yeah. is just kind of, <laughs> yeah. this is this is just this is fun. It's this just is fun. kind of yeah, a fun it really day. is funny. And when you were sick, you didn't leave like a Saturn shaped stain <laughs> on the carpet, did you? Okay, <laughs> I hope not. Um, okay, without giving too much away, kind of give us the, the elevator pitch on it. I think it's just a little boy in, uh, in a, uh, a small town in Mississippi, a small fictional town in mm-hmm. Mississippi. Uh, his, his mother, they've had a hard time, he and his mother. Uh, his, his father left them years ago. And uh, there's this garden club in town, and they're swanky ladies, uh, kind of highfalutin folks. And, and they kind of enjoy making fun of his mother from time to time. And he just kind of decides to, uh, to try to get even with them is, is, is what the deal is. And it's just, it was great fun to write. I still remember this. It was a lot of fun to write. Yeah, definitely. Um, Michelle, you, you asked me a question. I'm sorry, just a second ago. And, and oh, it's, oh, it's okay. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, J.P. Luby. I'm sorry. I'm, you were asking me about J.P. Luby, and I didn't see it there. Um, tell us a little bit about J.P. Luby, who's passed away right about the time the book came out. Well, I had uh, heard about J.P.'s story from one of the uh, members of the Inkslingers, uh, Jody. She knew uh, either knew him or knew his family. and But he did not have a computer. Mm-hmm. And he did have a word processor someone had given him, but he did not have Internet. He lived uh, just outside of Yazoo City. And he was out in the sticks. It wasn't like he was in a log cabin. He had the satellite dish and all that, but he just did not have a, a computer. Yeah. And so Jody had sent me the story by email, but the thing was, it was photocopies. So oh, it's, yeah, taking so, pictures of it. Yeah, yeah. So sure, I can I can type that. I know the alphabet. So uh, I, I, but actually, I it was okay. It wasn't a super long story, but by doing that, I got to know the story a lot better by typing it. And uh, I called him, uh, I got his phone number and called him, and he he would handwrite, we talk about edits, and he would handwrite stuff and, and just physically mail them to me. And then one Sunday, I went up there to visit him for lunch. He bought me lunch, and then we went out to his place, and we talked about the story, and he was real jazzed about my laptop, and he was thinking about getting one. But uh, uh, And when the book was ready, you know, when it was published, I sent him a copy but I never uh, heard back from him, so yeah. I called him to see if he'd gotten it, and I found out he was in the hospital. Oh no! So as far as I know, he never never got saw to the see final book. He saw the final story, yeah, but he never saw the book itself, which I was really upset about. But that's quite an honor to have his story in there, though. I I liked his story. I mean, we yeah. were. Uh, 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 I just liked it enough to where I uh, wanted to talk to him. You know, we did a lot of it back and forth on it, but you know, he. He came up with the idea, and it was great. I just kind of helped him focus a little, but it was a really good story. Stories Elvis and Linda Lou. Tell us a little bit about it. It was based on uh, someone, of course, he knew uh, a, a girl he knew when he was uh, first saw her in elementary school. He just saw her from afar, and it was one of those cases where, you know, love at first sight, but they uh, uh, didn't really uh, didn't have a chance to ever talk to her, until, you know, except for just bits and pieces over the years, just for various reasons. And uh, he based his story on that, and uh, it's it well. It, I mean, it's a little tearjerker in a way. Yeah. But uh, especially now, particularly knowing the the backstory of the story. Yeah, and uh, I, like I said, it was because I had to talk to him on the phone and everything. It was a lot more uh, interactive interaction than with the other folks. Yeah. But uh, but we hit it off and we became friends uh, and. Uh, uh, we just you know talk on the phone about the story, and he'd send me those handwritten notes, and um, I enjoyed working with him. And I just you know, just couldn't believe it when I heard that he was in the hospital, and uh, he just passed just very soon after that. Wow, wow. Well, it's time for our final break, and when we return, we'll wrap up our conversation with Johnny Lowe and the authors Wendy Harms and John Floyd. Phone lines are still open, folks. If you want to give us a call, well, we'd love to hear from you. The number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
All right, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, along with my guests today, Johnny Lowe, authors Wendy Harms, and John Floyd. Their short story anthology is called What Would Elvis Think? It's not too late to get into your question or comment. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. A lot of times the conversations we do in that one minute in between the the break we were all talking about what it's like living away from here and everybody thinking our accents are something really weird. And, and you, you had, Wendy, you got to tell that, uh, the hairdresser in Kentucky story. That was really funny. So we moved to Kentucky. My husband went to a seminary there, so we were just married, and we moved mm-hmm. up there. And I I went to, I probably just went to the mall, to the pennies or something in the mall, and I, I got a haircut. And the lady says, well, you want me to blow dry and everything after, after she'd finished cutting it? And I said, no. I'm fixing to go home, and everyone in the entire place stopped where they were, turned toward me, and said, you must be from Mississippi. And I thought, well, how in the world did you know? And she said, well, you said fixing to, which I never knew was a Mississippi thing until that moment. There you go. So you just might as well just written it on your forehead. <laughs> Apparently so it was there. It was there. There you go. Johnny, the book, you, you guys have done some, see, I said you guys, which that right there, mm, everybody looks yeah. like you ain't from around here when right, you do that. Right. But I did that to a group of women one time, and they looked at me like I'd broken wind. But um. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have had a lot of book signing. Y'all have had a lot of book signings. I'll go. do that. There, there we go. go. Get by y'all on here. Um, you've done the book signings, but the book, I mean, though, and you've had a really successful one here in Jackson. You, uh, you did Lemuria. It was huge. The book came out uh, about the first of the month of June. And I, uh, was it June 15th we had the signing? I, I forgot. So. But uh, it was at Lemuria, and we had maybe 15 or 16 of the authors there because there's 23 stories in the book. Yeah. And so they, there were so many of us, we couldn't sit on the couch there, uh, where they normally have signings. So we were out front. They had tables and chairs, and they were very, very accommodating. And we sold out of all the copies we had. Wow. And, and, and granted, a, cu- a couple of members had bought their own copies, even though I could got copies later for them. But uh, we still s- sold out that day, and we've sold a bunch at that store since then. And uh, they were just very accommodating uh, to us. And we had a total of um, five signings, I believe, so far, at five indie, indie stores in the state. And uh, uh, Lorelei in Vicksburg, Turnrow, Greenwood, um, uh, Reed's Gumtree, and Tupelo. And oh, and Barnes and Noble back in November. Okay, in Ridgeland. Great, and you've had pretty good turnout at most every one of the signings. Most too. of them, uh, of course, yeah. a couple of you people are going. Who are you? So, well, no, yeah. that's. I mean, that's natural for book signings. People yeah. look at you like, oh, you know, here, here's a dollar. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm not taking donations for the animal rescue or whatever. But it's, <laughs> well, but no, it, it is tough. And you know, my cousin Dave once said. You know, you go into a bookstore and you see all those books, and the bookstore doesn't sell the books. You sell the books. Yeah. And that's pretty good advice. And, you know, but I got to tell you this, though. This book is not only a nice-looking book. I mean, it looks like it was done by a big house publishing company, but it's also the stories in it are really good. Well, I I mean, that, of course, that was the goal. And uh, because it's just us, we're a tiny, tiny group. But I, the goal was to... Uh, Make it look like if you picked it up off of a shelf at a, at a bookstore, you wouldn't look at it and say, oh, this doesn't look like it was a right. random house or something. But I've seen a lot of very small press books. Yeah, some of them look like abandoned house. They do. You know, mm-hmm. they, do. they really do. Yeah, and it's uh, it's like they went to Kinko's and you know had a stapler and that was it. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's now easy enough to publish your own book, technically. Well, I always yeah. like to say the really cool thing about uh, computers nowadays is that pretty much anybody can publish their own book. But the really bad thing about computers nowadays is that pretty much anybody can publish, publish their own book. book. Yeah. And just because you can 
doesn't mean you should. And well, that uh, sounds like social media generally. Yeah. Well, I, t- I tell people if you got twenty minutes, get online and Google bad book covers. Yeah. And or bad album covers. That's the, that's the worst. And you can find. And if you got t- thirty minutes, type in bad amateur book covers. And it's just, you know, that'll keep you awake. But uh, uh, the goal was to make it as, like I said, just as if I'm sure if some publisher in New York looked at it, they probably have issues. But uh, I think. Uh, the, the overall package is done very well, and, and those stories in there. Like I said, of course, I like every one because I picked them, but I, some of the stories I think are just phenomenal. Right. And uh, and I was I felt lucky to get them. Well, here's here's what I think works about the book. Just a short list. Number one, short story book because everybody's attention spans now the length of a tweet, so it's nice for to be able to pick it up, read a story, put it back down. So it fits also perfectly on the back of a toilet. So it's I mean it's it's good in that respect. Not, hey, that's my number one marketing rule for publishing. Um, but number two, it's it's Mississippi stories. I mean, yeah. they are literally. And it's not, they're not all the same story. I mean, like I said, there are different voices, there are different characters, the protagonists all do different things. You have a great cross section of locations. And, and so, I mean, you literally get this book and you're, you're taking on 23 different journeys around the state of Mississippi. And so that makes it really a strong book. And part of the work, uh, really, the work of editing this thing, yeah. he really did a good job of that because what you have to do is some are short, some are long, you have to intersperse those, right? right. Some are gritty and some are humorous. So you have to change all and to get that order right is is, is a tough thing to do. Oh, it's huge because you don't want to, you know, you want them to pick up the book and read the first couple stories and go, wow, and then maybe look at the last story and go, wow. But you also don't want to freak them out in the first story by sending them too dark of, (laughs) I mean, you're right. There's just, and you did a really good job with with that flow. Well, I had uh, actually, (laughs) to tell the truth, initially, I'm going to do the stories. I'll just do it by their last names. Yeah. But I talked to John and he slapped me and he said... (laughs) No, 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 do this. And well, was, at least he didn't use his golden derringer on this. Yes. That would have been <laughs> That's bad. right. Yeah, I still have the uh, uh, Band-Aid on. But uh, just on a one level, just do boy, girl, boy, girl, for one thing. Yeah. And then don't do a serious story and a humorous one. Don't put, like, five humorous ones together. And also in terms of length, uh, do have one shorter, one longer. And there's all these variables. And it's like, oh, wow. And so I basically – I just – cut a piece of paper yeah. up into like 12 pieces with the titles and just kept rearranging them. You know, I was at the coffee shop just rearranging them. And that's how the ultimate title, uh, the order came in. Where can people get the book? Because we're running low on the time, because that's important. You can get it in, in the Jackson area, uh, Lemuria, mm-hmm. Book Rack, uh, Cups in Brandon, and in Flowood, and uh, online, of course, Amazon, mm-hmm. and uh, Lorelei in Vicksburg, uh, uh, Gumtree Books, Tupelo. And Turn Row and Greenwood. Beautiful I, bookstore, too. Yes. Great. So, nice and, and probably others, too, once they hear this interview, because they're going to be thinking, this is really good. That's right. All right. Well, we've come to the – hey, thank you all so much. This was a great show. really enjoy getting to visit with you all. Thank, and you. thank you for the book, too, because it's, it's really a great read. We've come You're to welcome. the end of another show. Thanks for joining us, and thank our guest, publisher Johnny Lowe, the authors Wendy Harm and John Floyd of the short story anthology – what would Elvis think? It's available now. If you'd like to hear this show again or past episodes, download the MPB Public Media app and listen to our podcast. Now You're Talking's production of MPB Think Radio is produced by Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell and join us every Monday at 10 for Now You're Talking only on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have a great week. <laughs>